Hello, and welcome back to Dr. Quackers. So, we're going to do another episode today, obviously, um, and we're going to do an older TV show um, that many of you have probably seen and is considered one of the greatest uh, TV shows of all time, and that would be Game of Thrones Season 1. Um, so, I I guess I still am, but I was a gigantic fan of this show. Um, I love the fantasy genre, and... So, being its uh, 10th anniversary of this season, um, I wanted to give a review of it. And if you like this, uh, the, I want to branch out to TV shows as well, along with these reviews. So, if, if you like the way that I build it up and break it down to uh, seasons, then I'll continue to do it that way. And if you prefer if I just review a whole TV show from beginning to the end, then I'll, I'll, I'll switch to that way. Uh, but for now, we're going to do it by seasons, because I feel like that would be the easiest... So, Game of Thrones Season 1 is one of the strongest seasons of any TV show pretty much out there. Um, it gripped a lot of people, and it had a huge audience from start to ending. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, other than The Walking Dead, I can't think of another show in my lifetime that were as big as this one. Um, which also crashed and burned, <laughs> just like Game of Thrones. Um, but let's get into the pros here, because... So, to be perfectly fair, Game of Thrones, for a long time, was my favorite TV show. I I bought all the merchandise, I read all the books, I, I can't tell you how many times I've re-watched this show in total, except for season 8, I only watched that season one time. But I re-watched seasons 1 through 6 so many times. Like, my first semester of college, I watched it at least two or three times through with like just by itself before eight even came out again. Like I would just rewatch it just cause I wanted to. Um, and on top of rereading the books. So I might be a little biased <laughs> when it comes to this season. Uh, some people prefer the other ones. Um, this isn't my favorite season. My favorite season's two, but <laughs> this one is probably a close second for me. So let's get into the pros here. I, the story is, I, so it's very different. The story is very different from most fantasy, fantasy stories. Um, most fantasy stories are akin to something like Lord of the Rings. And I think the reason why this story grips people so heavily is because it kind of flips those ideas on its head. So the way the show is set up initially is Eddard Stark is the protagonist of the show. But, uh, spoilers, he ends up getting killed in the ninth episode, uh, Baylor. And a lot of people, when they first started watching the show, especially its first viewers, were shocked that he was killed. Because many believed that he would be the protagonist of the series, and he would be who you followed through the whole show. And that's not at all what Game of Thrones does. It's notorious for killing characters. Uh, and some of them being extremely justified, and I think it's what kept the show so fresh and the story so fresh, is because like, if you were entirely good, you would die. And if you were entirely evil, you would die. Basically, the characters that were like gray characters with their, mor their morals and the way that they viewed and interacted with the world around them 
would be a good sometimes and bad others. It would be justifications for how people treated each other. And that was basically how you could guess who was going to live and who wasn't. Um, like someone like Cersei, you know she was going to die. Um, because she was just pure evil. She lasted much longer than I think some people would have guessed, but uh, due to how evil she was in some seasons um, and the way she was treated, but she definitely gets like knocked off her pedestal a few times, and that's how you set that tone uh, throughout this season, especially because Robert uh, really is what holds her back, and you can tell, like, you can tell that if it wasn't for Robert, she would be much and much higher standing in terms of how people viewed her because Robert was like, I ain't dealing with that shit. You're going to shut the fuck up and do what I say. Um, even though I do like Robert, but he, there's a, there's, there's an episode where he strikes her after he talks back to him after him addressing Edard. And there's a lot of parts where he bows down to Cersei and he knows that there's not much he can do to get her off that part. Um, so I think that's why stories like this and the way that it flips a lot of the fantasy genres around is what made the story so interesting so quickly. Um, and the other part, which the story like helps gratefully, um, is the world building. Uh, this show has one of the best, like, fantasy areas and the way that the world works in most shows I like how it so how the show opens is you don't know who they are but there's these guys in the woods and you know that there's some sort of guard or some sort of like brotherhood by the way that they're all wearing the same clothes and one's in charge and the others but they stumble upon these I guess you call them uh, without knowing what they are, like ice zombies, um, they find these like the corpses put in these like weird shapes and designs that they have no idea what it is, and it, it's just more confusing for the viewer without any context to what's going on. Because even they, it helps build the tension of what you're watching because even the characters in the universe don't know what's going on. So that's what heavily builds, like, oh, this isn't normal to this world. To have ice zombies and people coming back to life and seeing corpses and like dead horses being put in these weird like blood rituals I guess is what you would call it or symbols and the way that Edard and the way the Starks run uh, run the north in the kingdoms is heavily implied that they're men of honor and they're very old-fashioned due to the fact that they follow the old gods and not the new. And then when you, uh, when the Baratheons and the Lannisters come to visit them in the beginning of the season, you see the huge differences in how the cultures interact with each other and how they're raised down south and what it's like to be in King's Landing than Winterfell in the north. So it, it very quickly builds upon the idea of how we cultures in the world, and I think quickly building those, like, I guess you would say for how families act and what they do when they interact with other people is what really builds, like, the Lannisters and the Starks and the Baratheons and the Targaryens to being the head haunches that they are on the show. And it also helps a lot uh, for this story that the acting in this is phenomenal. Now, there may be a few sore spots throughout the show, um, I think I really love Amelia Clark, but I feel like there are times where she 
doesn't emote exactly what I think should be said. I think overall, I really do like her as Daenerys. There's not a whole lot of people I want. I would want to recast her as, but um, knowing what happens in the books, I feel as though she could have emoted a little bit farther with certain parts of the story. Um, but overall, she's supposed to be a more like a stern, like calm, but also strong. She's supposed to symbolize similar to a dragon because that's her family uh, crescent. So I really, I like that part. Um, what else? Uh, I'm trying to think if there was any other like bad performances I can think of off the top of my head. Um, uh, oh yeah, so but that's that's the next season. But yeah, um, yeah, no, the first season I, all around. There's I like everyone that plays their characters. It's it's automatically how I pictured them when I read the book. Uh, the way that they were described, the way they act, uh, the way their voices sound. I, I I think everything was perfectly casted for this story. Um, and there's not anything I would change about it in terms of like this season, um, and it also helps that the that the writing and the great characters that uh, George R. R. Martin made it was easy to the characters, not so much the story. The story can kind of go everywhere in certain parts, but the characters are so well written that I feel as though it didn't need like some of the greatest actors on television to play them. Um, characters like Tyrion who is the fan favorite for most people. Um, he's not my favorite character, but he is one of my favorites. And it's because of the smart writing in the first five, yeah, five seasons for him that made everyone love his character so much. Um, I mean, part of the reason why Eddard was viewed as the protagonist is that he was such an easy character to grab onto. There was a lot of people that could feel for Eddard and they understood where his position was in the world. And most people don't like so big the big part of eddard is that he was never supposed to rule his older brother was killed by the previous mad king so he had to rule in his stead and so a lot of his problems is that he was raised to be a soldier and so he doesn't always like the responsibilities that comes with being the warden of the north and being as though he is best friends with the king and ends up being asked to be handed the king he doesn't know how to act in the world down south because it's it's not an honor game it's backstabbing sneaking around getting dirt and secrets on each other and like killing each other not in open fields like in battles that they kill you silently from hired thugs and all that stuff so that part is what really makes it so uh, Eddard in the first season is like the viewer. You're, he's learning how the Red Keep and the Capital work just the same way that the audience is working. So I think without Eddard in the story, in the, especially in the first season, it would be harder to grasp the other characters and the way that the story works. Um, so in the book, there's a little more action than there is in the show, and that has to do with the budget that the show was given initially. And that ended up being some of the biggest budgets in <laughs> TV history for the later seasons, uh, stuff like Battle of the Bastards and season six um, and stuff like that. So in this one, there's technically a battle that Tyrion and his father Tywin are supposed to be in when they're fighting Robert Star- uh, Rob Stark um, in the book. And there's like this big battle and Tyrion actually is somewhat of a competent fighter for him being a dwarf. And uh, it's never really <laughs> so in the TV show because they didn't have the budget to have that fight scene. They he gets knocked out and then it comes back to when he awakens. But in the book, that's not how it goes. 
So I do. Re- I, the action is still really good. I just wish that battle was in it. That's the only reason why I brought it up. But there, uh, there's a dueling scene between Jamie Lannister and Eddard Stark that I think is one of the best like highlights of the whole show in terms of the way the action's used because they use action to help back the story. So what a lot of like fantasy genres do, is, and even sci-fi, is that they build the story around action, which is things like John Wick. That's an example of something that they build the story around the action. Like, how? why would this person be doing this? But in this one, it's they put they put the action around the story. So the story comes first, and they use the action to articulate the point of the story. Um, one of the examples I was just talking about with Eddard and Jamie, they're using that duels to emulate how the Lannisters and the Starks are viewing each other and the way that Jamie and Eddard felt towards each other. It wasn't that they wanted to fight each other because they, they the way they felt. The only reason Jamie fought Eddard is that uh, Eddard's wife took capture of his brother, so it was more of he was standing up for his honor and the way that the Lannisters viewed themselves against everyone else in the world. That why he fought him. It wasn't I want to fight because I want to fight. So I that's why I really love the way they use action in the show, and they continued to do it that way up until like season seven and eight. Um, that's kind of. But to be fair, that's that's when a lot of. The, the base of his novels kind of stopped. So I think that was part of the reason. Um, and I love, so I'm, I'm going to bring up another movie because I, I, I'm going to use it to help build my argument for this. So Star Wars, last Jedi, a lot of people heavily critique that movie. I being one of them. And a lot of people's argument is, Oh, it's just, it just wasn't what you wanted. It was something that it just went, it wasn't what you expected from the movie. Um, so, I hate that argument that like, oh, it just it just wasn't what you wanted, so it's bad. No, because there are certain parts of this show, especially the first three seasons, where it pulls you around a lot in terms of the the story and like, oh, you think it's going to be this character that wins? Nope, it's someone else. So the proper use of expectations is heavily, heavily used in this show. Um, there's going to be times where if you end up watching the show, and I, I highly recommend you do, um, when you watch a show, you're expecting, like, say, Eddard to be the lead of the show. And then, whoopsie-daisy, no, he isn't. He's, he's killed in the ninth episode of the first season. And that's kind of where the show really starts to kick off, is like, that's where it sets itself, like, don't you expect the unexpected from this show. So I really, I, I, I always use this show as an example, um, which unfortunately it also is part of the, it also is on, it's on the same side of the coin of like, this is bad expectations because season eight is very much the opposite of the first three seasons. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's a pro and a con for this show, but in the beginning it's very much a pro. Um, yeah. Also, Part of the reason why the expectations so heavily used is how awesome the villains are of this show. Um, especially Tywin. Tywin is one of my favorite characters. He's the head of the Lannister family. He's Jaime, Cersei, and Tyrion's father. And he's very much feared throughout the story. And one of the ways that they do that is they talk about the song Reigns of Castamere, which was about a house that tried to rise up and basically try and take the West from, from the Lannisters. And Tywin basically just wiped out the whole family, and then 
then they wrote the song from the by the bards uh, the reigns of Casimir, which is heavily used anytime the Lannisters are winning or they like they basically trick a family um, or they blackmail someone like during during the red wedding in a later season that like that song is used to hint at like uh, betrayals about to happen so that set up um, Joffrey <laughs> who's one of the biggest fucking cunts in television history he's a douche anyone that's ever watched a show they usually hate Ramsey and they hate Joffrey Joffrey is the first hated character of the show um, and I actually feel bad for the actor to play Joffrey because he did such a great performance as Joffrey that everyone hated him so much. And unfortunately, because some people are fucking idiots, when they don't, when they get mad at a character, they'll then attack the actor because they're ne- Neanderthals. It's not, it's not the actor; it's the character, which shows how much of a great actor he is to make you hate him to the point where you want to attack him in real life and go to his social media and say how much of a peachy shit he is because he hurt Sansa. Like, if you're one of those people and you're listening to this, you're a fucking idiot. But it also helps the point of how much he is a great actor to show that you got him to hate him that much. Um, another good one is Cersei. Cersei is a big villain throughout the whole show. Um, and I really love her scenes, especially in, in uh, some of the later seasons, some of the mid-seasons, because she really gets to show all of her tricks of the trade. And I really I really like how she is very conniving and she's very secretive and she's a lot smarter than someone gave her credit for. And due to is because a lot of the people that doubt her are people with very older points of view and how they view women and they don't take her seriously which ends up being their downfall especially with something with like the sparrows which are later down in the show and with how she ends up uh she i mean so be openly frank with you she is in a relationship with her brother twin brother jamie um and all of her kids are jamie's they're none of them are robert's um, Joffrey is also Jamie's, and so is Tommen, and uh, I can't remember the daughter's name at the top of my head. But yes, yeah, uh, Marcella, that's her name. And so all of them are, are, are her brother's kids. So it's just stuff like that. I mean, it's gross. I mean, it's just nasty between their relationship. Um, although Jamie ends up being uh, one of my favorite characters of the show, he starts off as a villain. He pushes Bran out a window and <laughs> cripples him. Uh, Brandon Stark, which is what ends up kicking off a lot of the big conflict in the show, which, if you really think about it, if it wasn't for Jamie, a lot of the plot in the show wouldn't be there. Um, And he has one of the... So, I know I'm going to talk about Season 8, and I know this is supposed to be Season 1 review, but the reason why I bring it up is because how much Season 1 builds that you're supposed to hate him. And he's an asshole. He's an asshole to everyone. He's an asshole to John. He's an asshole to Eddard. He's called the Kingslayer because he killed the previous king, even though he's a Kingsguard and he's supposed to protect the king at all costs. And no one, like, everyone calls him Kingslayer as a sneer, so he just already has this cocky attitude of, like, go fuck yourself. I'm the biggest and the best, and you're all just a little bunch of bitches. But his arc is just so good. And the next, like, three seasons, two, three, and four, just some of the best character arc. It's up there with Zuko from Avatar. It's it's great villain character development because he ends up being one of the great characters that survives because he's a good guy, but he's also a bad He's like, you made me bad guy, but you're not the bad guy. That's kind of how he ended up being. And I eight just shits all over that. It's just he just reverts back to season one base Jamie, and it 
and it just annoy that it's just avoid that part. That's the only part I will say. If you end up really liking Jamie, that's that's gonna that's what's gonna make you pissed because it pissed me and my wife off when we saw it with her uh, when we saw it at the pond. Um, <laughs> so yeah, and yeah, I don't know. It's just he he's he's one of the best characters in the show. And he, he's one of the best plot devices, especially in the first season, especially between uh, the dialogue between him and Eddard. They're very much opposite. So Jamie is a man of honor. Even though everyone says that he, he shit on, is pissed on his honor when he killed the king. But it was honor that basically had him kill the king. So that, But the king before him was the Mad King. Um, he was uh, Aegon Targaryen. Um, not the first. I believe he's the third. Um... And he was fucking crazy. He would burn people alive with artificial fire. And he was what started the war um, with him, uh, with him and his son, Rhaegal, um, was between Robert and Eddard after the Mad King burned his older, uh, Eddard's older brother and father alive. And then Rhaegal seemingly kidnapped Lyanna Stark, who was Robert's betrothed, they, him and Eddard gathered all the armies of the North, uh, the Vale, and some of the uh, Fingers, and then ended up being the East, uh, the uh, Riverlands, all that part. They gathered the armies and they marched down to uh, the Twins, and then they ended up taking over uh, King's Landing, which is the capital. And Jamie um, killed the King before he could set off all the artificial fire because he just was like, burn everything. I don't give a fuck. So he ended up saving millions of people in King's Landing. But everyone sneers and looks at him like he's a fucking asshole. And I just, I love that that part of the show. It's, it's honestly what carries the show a good chunk of the time. Especially with parts that can feel a little slow around Bran. I don't like Bran. He's, I've never liked his character. Um, I don't know. I just never like even in the book. Anytime his chapters came up, I'm like, oh, this fucking sucks. So we're gonna get to the cons of the season, and it's more of nitpicking uh, for me because I'm such a, I was such a huge fan of the show. I still am. I still am a huge fan of Game of Thrones. It's just the ending has me bitter. Uh, the TV show because the books aren't finished yet. Um, <laughs> so um, my cons for the show only have two. Um, in the season one. Um, there's the raping of Daenerys or Khaleesi when she's married to Khal Drogo. So the reason why I say this is a con is because in the book, he doesn't rape her. Um, it's consensual. I understand that people are like, well, it's gross because she's in the book. She's younger. Uh, they age everyone up a little bit, which makes sense because there's a lot of nudity in the book and you can't really have young teenagers be nude on television. So they made them a holder. So when they're naked, it's not weird. Um, <laughs> so in the book, she's 14. Um, and it gets married to Cal. It's, it's consensual sex. Uh, Cal, Cal, the Cal Droga was never violent to her in the book. Like how he is in the beginning of the show, uh, which I didn't really like. Cause it's kind of weird to me anyway because in the show so in the book they end up falling in love with each other so she's forced to marry him by her bro- brother Viserys um, but she ends up falling in love with him anyway but in the TV show he like brutally rapes her and then she still falls in love with him but to me it's kind of weird because the way it's set up in the book 
is that they're just kind of like star-crossed lovers. Like they, they probably never would have been together, you know, if it wasn't for that part. Amy ends up dying anyway at the end of the season. It's not a super long relationship, but they like she called like <laughs> it's just it, to me it was just weird. It was like it was like you're trying to make feminist characters, which to be fair, this show has some of the best versions of badass women without constantly needing to beat you over the head that they're cool women and that they're strong. No one complains about these character the female characters because they're females that's, so that's something else i give a lot of props to this show because if you watch something like captain marvel they just beat you over the head that she's a cool girl which you don't need to i i like a lot of female- wonder woman is one of my favorite characters of all time even when i was a little kid and they never had to point out that she was a female and that she was tough because she's female no she's badass because she's badass that's the way you should write characters because if you have to point it out all the time then you're not that badass uh, to quote Tywin, if you if you constantly have to say you're the king, then you're not the true king. That's how I feel about it. So, um, it's just weird to have like a woman be raped by by somebody and then her to be like, oh, it's okay, I love him now. And that I just didn't like that arc. I don't like that character, which some people might disagree with me on. I just didn't like it. Um, the other part I didn't like. Um, so in the book, all of the Starks are wargs. And what a warg is, is basically is that they can put their consciousness in animals. Specifically, the, the Starks could put themselves in dire, their dire wolves. Um, in the in the show, it's only Bran. Um, but it's not. Uh, there's a lot of the parts with uh, Rob when he's in the battles, especially in the first book, they describe him as warging into his wolf. That's why they call him a werewolf on the battle, because it was hard to tell who, like, if it was him or his wolf, because they fought as one a lot. So I wish that part was that and they touched upon that more, which I can see why, because it might be harder and to fit all of that into the into the show, especially since they didn't know if they were going to get a second season. So I get it, but they could have done it in the in the next season, um, but they didn't. So it's only Bran that is a warg. He he's the only one that can warg into like he ends up being the three eyed raven. And they talk about it because he he see has dreams with the three eyed raven in it, so he can warg into like the ravens. He can warg into his wolf. He can he can kind of warg into whatever he wants. But I I wish that they talked about the other Starks because hints at it that his younger brother Rickon can, but then they just completely drop it from this show. So those little pieces, like they're not huge things, but they're just little things for me. And then some of the stuff later um, down the road that I wish they had built in the first one, but they didn't. So this show, especially this season, um, I've rewatched it a lot. So I, <laughs> I, I definitely don't hate it. And it's definitely something I really enjoy. I, um, other than Lord of the Rings for a long time, it was for a, a long time. I had a hard, I had a hard debate to be myself, which I preferred like Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit or game of Thrones. Uh, the ending of the show kind of helped me decide which one I definitely preferred more. I prefer Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. Um, depending on the book ends, if he actually finishes the books and the book and the ending is better in the book, that might be a harder decision for me again. Um, as of now, it's, it, it is my second favorite fantasy, uh, story of all time. So I'm going to give this season a nine out of 10. Um, it's a near perfect show. Um, and I think that it sets things up to be fantastic in its later seasons, which ends up doing so. 
I will definitely be talking about the second, the next seasons to come because I think it's a really awesome show and I think it's really easy to talk about. And I think this might be my longest uh, episode. So I can see that I can very much talk a lot about it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, this, this one's a nine out of 10. I, I definitely, it's not a whole lot more room to grow for it to be that 10 out of 10 show. But I just know, like, I, I know what's coming, so I just know it's not, like, at that perfect stage yet. So I have to give it a 9, because it's, like, it's like right there. But, yeah, it's it's a definitely a recommended TV show to watch. So uh, I hope you made it to the end. I hope I didn't ramble on for too long. Um, I know it says movie reviews, but I, I also want to do television as well. So um, I hope you enjoyed. And if you want to go back and listen to my other podcasts, if you didn't, if this one didn't bore the hell out of you... <laughs> um, yeah, if, if you know, like, if you got got uh, listening to this podcast through social media and you want to give me a message of, like, things you want me to review or you want to give me advice or critiques on uh, my episodes, uh, that'd be great. Much appreciated. Um, I'm, I'm all ears. Uh, I know I haven't perfected this, uh, this equation yet, so I, I definitely could uh, use the advice. So thank you. Have a good day.